Hey, welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Hi, this is Trent Clark, three-time World Series coach. I am here today with Sold Out Youth Foundation. I am the CEO of Athlete Influencer Marketing, and we are with Roman Gabriel III's foundation. And Roman is a former NFLer. His father was an NFL player as well. And I am with my special guest today, also a former NFL and NFL alumni, Luis Sharp. Luis, how are you doing, man? I am doing just wonderful. Thank you for having me. And that's awesome, Luis. Now, you are a 13-year NFL veteran, grew up in Detroit, right? And, you know, one thing that most people don't know about you, Luis, is that you were born in Cuba. Sí, nací en Cuba. En Cuba. Nací en Cuba. Spanish is my first language. That is so awesome. I mean, you know, and especially coming out, like, you know, you moved into Detroit at, at what age? Five, six years old. I mean, what year was that, Luis? 1965, 66. Who was getting out of Cuba in 1965 and 66? Well, I had they had an agreement with, I think it was President Johnson, whoever the president was, and they were allowing immigrants that wanted to move from Cuba here into the United States legally. I mean, thinking of the timing of things, like your parents really hit that window. I mean, well, my father, absolutely. My father came a few years before we did, and he worked at, at Ford Motor Company, got a job, and saved up enough money to send for his wife and my brother. And I. That is incredible. Yeah. I mean, now you go from a, a Cuban born young man into Detroit. Mm-hmm. Pretty tough town, by the way, you know, for uh, the, the assimilation into a different culture was very difficult for my brother and I. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And not an easy culture. Yeah. Not at all. And but you go on to UCLA, you know, top <laughs> program, one in the country for sure. Pro Bowl twice, three times. I'm sorry, three times. And man, walk me through that journey of a youth sport athlete in Detroit to a team so far on the West Coast. That they're thinking, man, like we're not driving over there, right? Like right. to how that all broke down. Well, it was all God. Ultimately, it was all his uh, his plan. I, I just. You know, I never forget to walk in the halls of Southwestern High School and my football coach asking me to come out for the football team. And I asked my parents and them being immigrants and not knowing anything about the sport of football, they wouldn't let me try out. But I, I was adamant and, and I believe I went against their wishes and went and tried out anyway. And, and it, it just worked out. I, I found a niche and I was good at it and got recruited and ended up with a scholarship to UCLA and went there and became an All-American Drafted in the first round by the then St. Louis Cardinals, played 13 years, three consecutive Pro Bowls. And now I I love using that NFL platform along with some of my Valley lows and and speaking about the disease of addiction and and that recovery is possible. 
Yeah, I love it. We are here at the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57 in Phoenix this week. Talk to – did you ever transition from the St. Louis team? Were you still there when they moved to Arizona? 1988, yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how many years did you spend in the Valley? Uh, six in St. Louis, seven in Arizona. Oh, yeah. So That's, half and half. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So which did you like best? Don't put me on the spot. Right. You know, I, I just – the only regret I have, I would have traded in my three individual accomplishments, my three Pro Bowls, if we could have at least made the playoff and challenge for a Super Bowl. We never, I think we went to one playoff game and the strike shortened the 1982 season. And we lost in the first round to the Green Bay Packers. Never made the playoffs in 13 years other than that one time. Detroit Southwestern is inner city program in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jalen Rose, Antoine Joubert, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, Coleman, yeah. I think, was, was he? Was no, he no, was, not, he I don't was, think Derek. Uh, Derek Rose, Antoine Joubert, Derek Anderson Rose. Hunt. Oh, yeah, Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, former, you know, UNLV man, big time athletes out of the, yeah. out of the school that's pretty tough down there, yeah. man, and yeah. compete for state titles. It's, it's something special, Luis. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about your experience in Detroit, youth athlete. What were youth sports like? What was the temperature at Detroit Southwestern for an athlete? Oh, we had excellent coachings and, and teachers, and they were very inspirational, motivational. And more importantly than that, they taught us to be respectable, productive young men, to do the right thing, to be concerned about family and, and how we conducted and carried ourselves. We just had excellent, uh, excellent mentorship at, at the school. That's incredible. Let's talk and shift this thing a little bit to always successful in youth sports. I mean, were you the best at all the stuff that you did, Luis? I mean, you're a big physical guy, strong you know, you got this great athletic program you're gearing up for. You, the coaches are getting you ready and prepared for the next level for sure. Was it easy? No, not at all. I mean, I had my down moments. I'll never forget when I first went out for the varsity at Southwestern High School, I had no idea about the game of football. And I put my pads on in the wrong places. I had street socks <laughs> on and the, the veteran, they were all laughing and joking about me. And, and it, it upset me. It pissed me off. Yeah. And I beat, I never forget, Kyron Williams was on his way to Michigan on the full scholarship. And he was one of the ones that was laughing at me. He was an offensive guard. I whipped him at the line of scrimmage and I went and tackled the, the all city running back, Terry Anderson, hogtied him and slammed him to the ground, all because they upset me because they were laughing at me. And I, I found that I had something on the inside that I didn't even know. I had. Yeah. And from that point forward, not only did I win my respect, but I found a niche. I found something that I was very, very good at when I put my, my mind to it. When you, I mean, in, almost instant respect in that moment. Oh, right? absolutely. Because it, you know, Inter- and interestingly enough, I saw Terry Anderson, the, the running back yeah. at a high school reunion last year. He remembers that play. Right. He never forgot it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, when you think about, like, and this is one of the great things about youth sports. You know, you're a young man. You're trying to find your way in this world. Like, talk to me about, you know, what changed in your confidence from that moment uh, about other things, about maybe I can do school better. Maybe I can do some things because, like you said, you woke up something inside yourself that you didn't know you had. And did you immediately think, hey, maybe there's other things I know I don't know I have? Well, absolutely. And a lot of that has to do with the mentorship, the, the coaches, the coaches yeah. that we have. And, the, you know, the life lessons that you learn from being an athlete about overcoming uh, failures about working out uh, as a team and believing in yourself, your thought process. And I'll never forget our coach, rest in peace, Joe Hoskins. He used to have us in room four and he used to talk to us about the importance of seeing yourself being successful. 
we would sit in room four with the lights out for an hour before every game. Yeah, and, visualization. And I, visualization. And, and I continued that practice through college and the pros, and I believe it's one of the big reasons why I was successful on mm-hmm. both those levels. What year was that? That, year, when I, high that school, visualization high school. That must have been 1976, 77. I mean, way, way before people started doing it. Way, way back. Way, yeah. way back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that was, you know, revolutionary, right? I mean, at the time, that was really ahead of your time stuff. And, you know, for people that don't know, you know, Southwestern had a tough rap that while you had good coaching, you know, there's some big money schools in the Detroit area. And you don't get the same equipment, the same backing, the same facilities that the private schools of Birmingham Brother Rice, Detroit Catholic. You know what's up, yeah. Yeah. And so how did that play into sports as you're playing against kids that may get a lot more? You know, one of the things I always loved about it, and, you know, the Michigan schools are pretty good about getting kids out of Detroit. These kids know how to fight. They know how to overcome things. They've been Mm -hmm. through some tough things. And live to tell the tale about it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've seen from kids that get go through tough stuff is that, hey, sports is nothing. Like, hey, I've, I've seen an uncle pass away. I, I've seen my father go to prison. I mean, these t- these tough things in our lives, our, our, our mothers die of cancer. And you're like going, this, this practice is going to be hard? What are you, serious? That doesn't mean anything to me. Like, what, I got, I got knocked down on the football field once and you don't think I'm going to get up? Right. Come on, man. Yeah, you become grizzled. Yeah. Life become makes you grizzled. Yeah. Make you makes you callous. Yeah. You grow up in those yeah. inner cities and those communities. Absolutely. Yeah. No so that fight, talk about when things changed for you on your road. You know, you take a turn down a dark side, a life of addiction mm-hmm. that creeps in. Did that come at 14? Did that come at 24 after the success of the NFL? When did this temptation leak its way into your life? Well, it, it started right after I, I became a number one draft choice into the league. And, and there were many, not, I'm not going to say many, but there were players that were involved in crack cocaine mm-hmm. at the time. And I, being young and, and having more money than I thought was in the world, I just thought that, you know, that was it was kind of what successful and productive pro athletes that were number one draft choices, that's just something they did, that lifestyle with the women and the drugs and the nice clothes and, and the nice nice cars, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where it started for me very early yeah. on in my NFL career. And you've got, you know, people that you've seen on TV playing in the NFL now that you're in the locker room with going, hey, I used to admire this guy. And, and now we're doing crack together. Absolutely. You know what? That's that's true. And I'm not going to name any names. Yeah, no, 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 no. But like, yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't believe a guy that I would watch on Sundays. OK, walked into my bedroom at my house, you know, and I was like, wow. But, you know, ultimately, and that's one of the things that my daughter and I were passionate about is, you know, raising awareness and reducing stigma and normalizing conversations so that we can transform culture surrounding mental health and substance use. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's interesting that you, I mean, were you a straight laced guy? Southwestern's yeah, got much, plenty yeah. of stuff, right? I never did you go anything. to UCLA. I mean, I mean you've been through some culture anything. shocks, right? Cuba to Detroit to Los Angeles. Right. <laughs> and then to St. Louis. Yeah. And had a stopover in Memphis in the USFL. Memphis okay. Showboats. Oh, the showboats. Yeah. Then went, to, went to Hawaii three years in a row, Pro Bowls. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of, lot of different cultures, right? And then moved to Phoenix, Arizona. And you've been here ever since? Well, no, I moved back to Detroit. Did you? Oh, you're, and you're in Detroit now? Well, yeah, right, right outside. Yeah, D-Town. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about the parenting, the challenges. You know, everyone, hey, you're an NFL star, 13 years in the league. Nothing can be bad for you. But 
the addiction rears its head and you end up in the headlines. I mean, you become a poster child for typical athlete. Man's got everything and now flushing it down the toilet. You got a family, you got kids, they're in schools. And tell me what happens in the local paper. Oh, they, they were brutal. They were brutal. I, I shared, I don't know, with you, someone here, that one of the headlines was football hero to crackhead zero. After I got like a five, six-year prison sentence and my kids were young at the time, they were still in school. And imagine the effect that that would have on, on young kids. With, yeah. You know, their friends and families were unfriended them and they were shamed and, and talked about. And they had a lot to deal with. My daughter, Rebecca, is here. She ended up moving from here, from Arizona, because of that, to Michigan to live with her grandparents, my parents. And, and she went on and graduated top of her class in, at high school, went on and graduated University of Michigan. And, and I'm very proud of her now. She works with Ford Motor, Co- Motor Company, has been with Ford 10 years. She is a ordained minister and she travels across the country and shares her story of the redemption and the reconciliation that her and I have yeah. as a result of me, you know, improving my life and, and leaving the, the dope alone and just giving hope to other families that we do recover. Yeah. Let's talk about that blessing. I mean, a headline like that, you know, a life, a prison sentence, it doesn't sound like a great blessing to you, but you know, here's this other side. This young lady goes out, she's still got people that love her and her dad still loves her, even if he's in prison. Right. And she does something. She does her school. She does what she's asked. She's obedient to the Lord. She's obedient to her her grandparents. She goes on and gets a, a high level ranking out of the high school and gets in to the prestigious University of Michigan. Absolutely, yeah. And then goes on to graduate and now a significant contributor. And if you don't know anything about Detroit, the Ford's own half of it. And <laughs> and so she, yeah, right? And so she's now in the organization that you just think like, man, that when this thing goes down, you talk about a young lady who took some lemons and made lemonade. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How'd she do it? God. Right? It's all God. You know, I, I'm reminded of the, the story, you know, of Joseph in the Bible. Yeah. You know, just sold into slavery and falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and had to do all the time in, in jail. And his brothers came to him at a time of famine and uh, for food. And he says, hey, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for for good. Yeah. You know, God will turn it around. What I thought was my greatest curse has turned out to be my best blessing. Yeah. It, it, this is a story. The story always throws me as you listen to that story, right? As the day you can imagine that your brothers all show up with their hands out. And you're like, man. This is how the tables have turned, yes, <laughs> right? Yes, and like yes. all for this moment, yes. like that's that's pretty wild, right? That's pretty wild. And, and and really, what if, I don't think it probably was for that moment. If I if I understand that story, I think it's really for the moment where he goes to his dad, right? Yeah, when he went to his dad, his dad, yeah, because they had told the dad that he yeah. got eaten by a lion, right? And now he's got to go and actually see his father for that first time, right? And he's dead. Like, this guy's been missing. He's gone 20 years. Like, what imagine, are you talking about? My kids imagine alive. That, imagine and, and you, a father of five children, been through this, Luis. You know, I think this is another thing that most people don't know about you. And and listen, this, this world can be cruel and harsh. And you've been through one of the hardest things probably a parent can go through, losing a child. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that, about, you know, you you know this guy's story. Like, he's like, hey, man, except they're not, there's not going to be this comeback. Miss Carrie, right? Like, talk to me about having five kids and now have four surviving children and talk to us a little bit about what happened for Leah. Well, Leah's death resulted from living life disobediently, just like I was, addicted to drugs out in the streets. 
and uh, she was murdered. And it, it still breaks my heart. It, yeah. It's been 15 some years ago. It breaks my heart, Rebecca. You know, we all still have a lot of pain yeah. uh, surrounding that. But, you know, the only thing we can do is, is continue to do the work we do and, and continue to touch the, the families yes. and, and the lives that we touch. And, and in that way, we honor her legacy yeah. going forward. You know, you got parents out there today and they're, you know, they're, they got these young athletes. And I remember my mom and dad in Battle Creek, Michigan, you know, thinking I, I hung around with all the athletes. These were the good kids. And I thought, well, that's funny. You know, I'm not ready to tell them yet, but we have more drug addicts on my team than, you know, like anyone needs to know. And I'm not going to mention any names, but there's plenty of users. And and I thought, man, did they, did they think that this is how it goes, that these athletes are immune? If you got a parent out there today, right now, they got a young lady, young man at home, and they're struggling in this thing. You've been there. You've seen it way too far up close. What would you tell a parent? What, what what should they be looking for? How do they give these kids some help? Well, you got to be aware and you have to talk to your kids. You have to get to know who their associates are, who they're spending time online with. Yeah. Be their, I mean, you got to be a parent, but you also got to be their partner. You got to be their friend and find out what's going on in their lives. Yeah. And recognize that just because you make bad decisions, we all have made bad decisions that make us bad people. Yeah. That there is help out there. There are people that are recovered. And if you do have a, a substance issue, there's plenty of people that you can contact, plenty of help that you can receive, and you don't have to associate, be stigmatized for it, like I was, football hero to crackhead zero. You know, drug addicts do recover, and we do make bad decisions, but it doesn't make us bad people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I that you said something just really impacted the thought there of, Something that changed for me. I remember hearing a young man in professional baseball who'd been through a lot of addiction and there wasn't a lot of grace, right? Because he'd gone, you know, turned four or five times. Oh, back in rehab again. Like, oh, guy's never going to get better, right? And I remember hearing his testimony and he said something that was just powerful. He's like, you know, I was talking about hanging out with people and he's like, you know, I was at the tattoo parlor with some nice people making bad decisions. And, you know, man, I was, and I don't know, you know my parents probably looking out for me. I probably never forgot my mother saying, you know, you hang around the crap, this thing gets on you, right? So true. And so, man, you know, like I'm thinking like, hey, a lot of these people I, I would have looked at as, hey, these are crap people. That's a judgment that I'm not qualified to make, quite frankly, right? None of us are. No. None of us are, right? I think there's only one and it's not me. I know that. That's right. That's true. <laughs> and that's uh, about the only thing I know. And so that really changed my view on a good person making bad decisions. And I've made bad decisions, certainly not immune. So I certainly want the grace when I make bad decisions. So if I don't, if I don't have the ability to offer it, where am I at? Absolutely. So as a parent, you're struggling with, hey, you see the potential in your child, you want something better than your own life. And, and yet you're also not trying to pass that judgment. Like, I never made any mistakes myself, right? Like, come on, how do we break that down as parents and, and humble ourselves? Is it, is, can we do it alone? Well, it's a new generation and they have a different mindset. They do different things. They communicate differently yeah. than, than we did. And so, yeah, we are in no position to, to judge. And it's tough sometimes. Yeah. I think the, the, the key is to associate with other people that have other parents that have had some of those issues. Uh, talk to them and get their perspective, their yes. insights, their strength in numbers. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Yeah. Great verse right there. 
Luis, man, thank you so much for being here. This has been awesome. On the Sold Out Youth Foundation, Roman Gabriel III's program, and we are at the Talking Stick Resort Studios here down at Super Bowl 57. And Luis, if there's one thing, you know, from your own experience that you can pass on for these youth athletes and for parents of a youth athlete, what do you, what do you think is maybe the, maybe the most important thing we get along this journey in, in youth sports? You know, Colossians 3.16, I think it says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. You know, that word, when it permeates, when it penetrates our life, and then the Holy Spirit, we begin to have the mind of the Spirit, the thoughts, the actions of the Spirit. Yes. And we get that spiritual power. We get that spiritual power. We're no longer influenced. We're no longer no longer under the control of, of selfish impulse or spiritual indestruction. In this other word is, you know what? I start producing spiritual fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, yeah. self-control. And we start manifesting the very presence of Christ on the earth. Doesn't mean we do it perfectly. Yeah. I still get upset. I yeah. still make mistakes. But you know what? I can get on my knees and I can listen to a, a sermon, which I listen to one every day because I need that word. I need that word to yeah. stay strong in the faith, to continue on this journey. And so my thing is, is to continue just letting the word of God, getting into that word, listening to it, loving the word of God, studying the word of God, meditating the word of God, and of course, living the word. Of God. Yeah, as you say that, I mean, I'm reminded of James 1, right? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's right. And man, I think that's a hard thing to execute. But I, as you talk about that spirit coming on me and having that permeate in my life, it's amazing the clarity of the people in your life. Hey, maybe I shouldn't be with that person. They're not doing the things like I want to be doing. And I'm, you know, maybe compensating my own values to be with them. And all of a sudden, that becomes crystal clear Absolutely. when you're in that spirit. You know, Paul said, I think in Romans, he said, my old man was crucified with Christ that the body of sin might be destroyed, that I would no longer serve sin. Okay, the old man. See that, yeah. that old man that wants to smoke drugs and wants to watch pornography yeah. and all the things I used to do? See, that old man was crucified with Christ when I accepted Christ and got filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and now that body of sin, because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, because I, I'm under new management now, he's ahead of my life. That old man is crucified. And now that body of sin, me wanting to smoke crack cocaine and hang out with hoes and prostitutes in the streets, that's no longer alive in me. So yeah. I don't have to serve that. Okay. So, you know, I just love God's word. God's word gives me strength. It gives me understanding. It gives me clarity. It gives me direction. Everything that I wanted in crack cocaine and in the street life is contained in the word of God. And that's my message. That's what I've learned. I love it. Louise Sharp, Detroit, Michigan, under new management. Under right new here. management. I love Jesus. it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Louise Sharp, Praise for being God. here. 13 year, three time Pro Bowl recipient in the NFL. So thankful for Louise joining us here. Yes, for pray the... for me. Pray for us. Yes. Yeah. We're yeah. going to be at the Super Bowl breakfast. I'm going to be with James Conner, who's yep. running back. And Cancer the... survivor. Cancer survivor. And the theme is comebacks, something to do with comebacks. And I just want to lift up the name Jesus. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men nigh unto me. Here it is. Sold out for the Youth Foundation. I'm Trent Clark, your host today. And so thrilled you could be with us. We'll see you next time. Need to hydrate but tired of plain old water? You need rebellious infusions. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. 10 organic flavors and convenient liquid packets. Just add 16 ounces and you are on your way. Rethink your drink. 
at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off your next purchase, use the code 99999. Do you want to be our next guest? Or do you have inspiring stories to share? Or do you love to inspire, support, and empower thought leaders? Feel free to send Trent a direct message on Instagram or Facebook at Leadershipity.